Well, hey, we are, we are on the last week of the Purpose Driven Life. The last week. And it's been uh, a great journey for me. I hope it's been a great journey for you. We're discovering, we've, been spent, we've spent seven weeks discovering God's purposes for our life. And the very first thing was to realize that God has a plan for our life, that God has a purpose. And we learned that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are his masterpiece, that God doesn't make junk, uh, that, the, that you're not an accident. There are no accidental children. There are some accidental parents, but not accidental, ch- accidental children. And so every child is a blessing from God. And you are a blessing from God. We learned, we began to learn that. We began to go into the first, uh, the, the five purposes that God actually formed us for. He didn't just put us on this earth to say, just do whatever you want to do. He created us with things in mind. And the first thing is that he created us to worship him. He created us to love us and that we would love him in return. He also created us. He formed us for God's family. He, put, he, he made us so that we would walk together and work with God's family, the body of Christ. We're not supposed to do this, uh, this journey alone. We're supposed to do it walking hand in hand, side by side of other believers and how important that is um, as we experience life. So he created, he formed us uh, to worship him, which um, he formed us for fellowship he formed us so that we would become like Christ. That's our third purpose, is actually that we would become like Christ. We're not just here to do what we want. He desires that we would become like Christ. That's called discipleship. We're supposed to be growing and, and, and becoming more and more like Christ. The fourth thing he formed us for, we talked about this last week, is that he shaped us to serve. He shaped us to serve. And, and that's what, what we'd say that serving him is what we do when we serve the, the body of Christ or we serve Christians. Um, he's given us our shape. We talked about that. And we're going we're gonna to continue to do that down, uh, in a very short while. We'll be having a time where we can help to, to learn our spiritual gifts. That's the S. Um, find out what your heart is, uh, what, what God put in your heart, what you have in your heart, um, what your abilities are, your personality, and your experiences. All those things God wants to use to help you to be a blessing to other people in the body of Christ. So we're served, uh, we're shaped to serve. And then finally today, we're going to learn our fifth purpose in life. Our fifth purpose in life. And that, that he, he created us and he gave us a mission. You are made for a mission. And, and that's, that's the, the sign out front says, Mission Possible. The mission that God gave us is possible. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given it to us. And that's what we're going to learn today. So our mission is what God has us to do outside of the church or outside of the church family. It's, it's to unbelievers. And our service is what we do in the church or in, inside of the family of God. We're here to serve the family of God, and our mission is outside. The Bible says it this way in Ephesians 1.5. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family. This is God by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. Also, in Romans chapter 10, here's what the Bible says. God wanted... 
God wanted to gather his family. And, and remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. God created every person. Everybody was created by God. But not everybody is part of the family of God. And, and that's, that's, something real, that's something real different. But the Bible says that that's true. He created us, but it says that he wanted to adopt us and become part of his family. Romans 10 says this. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone, that's a promise. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Okay, if you want, you circle the word sent there. Sent, this is the fifth calling. We are called to be sent. We're called, uh, he made us for a mission. He made us to send us in to the world so that people could know God. God created us to become part of his family. And there's a lot of people in the world that aren't part of his family yet. And that's, that's our fifth purpose in life. Fifth person, if you want to say, is to bring others into God's family. My fifth person that purpose in life, my fifth calling in life, is to bring others into God's family. We, what, do you, what do you think the Bible says? And I, I thought, well, what did God come for? What did Jesus come for? Let me give you some things that Jesus came for. In Luke 19.10, it says this, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Why did Jesus come? To seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew 18.11 says this, The Son of Man has come, why? To save that which was lost. It's very simple. The Son of Man came to save that which was lost. Remember the parable of the lost coins, the parable of the, the lost sheep. Jesus is always talking about those things that are lost, and he came to bring the, find the lost things, to bring the lost things, and that's people unto himself. Matthew 20 says it this way, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and what? And to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus Christ came to serve us, giving himself as a ransom. Well, wh wh when do you pay a ransom? Well, so you pay a ransom when somebody's held captive and you've got to pay for their release. We were held captive by sin. We are held captive by the enemy. And Jesus Christ came to serve us by giving himself as the ransom. Now imagine you getting kidnapped. You know, I don't know if you can you know, do that for a moment. And, and, and so you, you get kidnapped and, and they're calling for a million dollar ransom. You go, well, if that happened to me, I'm out of luck. I don't know anyone who's got a million dollars. I don't know anyone who's willing to give a million dollars for me. So, and, and most people are kind of in the same boat. But you find out that a couple of your friends sold their homes, sold their homes, took all the money, and gave the, the million dollars ransom. These aren't rich people. These are just your friends, your neighbors. So now they're homeless and they gave it all for you. And you would just go, hey, thanks so much, see you later, sayonara. The, the indebtedness that you would feel for being, uh, having someone pay such a price is just unimaginable. Jesus Christ came to service and he gave himself a ransom for many. John 10, 10, we know this verse says that Jesus came, I, Jesus speaking, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. In 1 Timothy 
says, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He came into the world to save sinners. There's a, there's a few other things that he came. You know, the Bible says he came not to... He came to send a sword. He came to put away sin. He came to be a faithful high priest. But in all these scriptures, we see that, that the primary reason Jesus came was to save us, to bring us into his family. So if, and then he said, before he went, before he ascended, he told his disciples, he says, I'm going to give you a command. He says, you're to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every living creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Go into all the world, preach, tell them the good news. Tell it to everyone. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I'm going to read it in two versions. I I like this one. The New Living Testament says it this way, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he was talking to them, he wasn't just talking to his disciples. He was talking to all the believers. All the believers who were gathered there. All of us, it's all of our job to be a witness for Jesus everywhere we go. So this morning, as we're understanding that we're made for mission, we need to understand that's one of our purposes. It's not just for the evangelists. It's not just for the pastors or the preachers or the teachers. The whole body of Christ's mission is to bring others to the family of God. And it's a great high calling. And we have what the world needs. We have what the world needs. Everyone in this room who is called in the name of Jesus to save them, who's been set free from their sin, has what the world needs. And you also know enough to help somebody else know Christ. Because if you're saved, if you knew, know enough to, to repent of your sins, to do what you did to become saved, that's all you need to know to help somebody else to become saved. This is our mission. We're formed for it. Now I want to point out something in Acts chapter 1. It gives us three places here. He's talking to the disciples, talking to all the the group of those that followed him, not just the 12. And he says, you're to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These are one, it says this simultaneously, so it's not like we're going to do this first, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. It's really a simultaneous, and here's what it is, Jerusalem. That's the city that they're from. That's the city they live. That's Big Bear. That's just Big Bear. We're to be a witness in Big Bear. Now, what, what do witnesses do? Well, the witness on a, on, in, in a court case isn't the judge. It's the witness. The witness isn't the lawyer. He's the witness. Our job is not to coerce people, but our job is to share what we know about God. I think, I think we should be convincing but not coercive where big bear then what throughout judea judea is a little bit bigger area that was the whole area surrounding and so that we could call that maybe the county big bear then the county of san Bernardino, and then it says samaria 
And if, if you remember, do you remember Samaria? You know, Samaria is that area that the Jews didn't want to go through. They didn't want to go through Samaria because of the Samaritans. But it was right there. It was actually included in the area of Judea. But it was, it was there, and it was people from a different culture. So it's not necessarily a geographic location as it is, it is a cultural location. Be a witness in Big Bear. Be a witness in the county and in Samaria to the people that you're not like, to other cultures. He's calling us to, to share not just with the people that are easy and are, are just our neighbors, but, but maybe the neighbor who's from a different culture. He wants us to extend this offer of eternal life to everyone. And then finally it says, and then to the ends of the earth. That's pretty easy. That's everywhere else. God wants us to go. He wants you to go. He wants me to go. He wants us to go in our local town. He wants us to move out throughout our county. And then he says, and you know what? I want you to go all over the world, all over the world. And some of you are thinking, I don't know if I can go all over the world. We're gonna, by the end of this, the, the message this morning, we're going to give you some ways that you can go and that you can be a witness. I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If you have your Bible, go ahead and look it up. I'm going to read a few verses. Starting in verse 17, 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I'm going to stop there. If you've been saved for any length of time, you have to remind yourself that you're different. If you've been saved for a long time, you've been different for such a long time, you might forget what God saved you from. This scripture says, we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Stop there. What's reconciliation? Some of you do this on a monthly basis. Some of you wait till tax time. And some of you never reconcile your checkbook. <laughs> so, right? So you guys, you, in, in fact, a lot of you have reconciled your bank accounts this week because of all the hacks on credit cards. You went through and you made sure every entry that you did is what the bank has and that the bank has nothing that you didn't spend. Anyone been doing that this week wondering? Uh, by the way, did anyone get hacked in here? Oh, good. Praise the Lord. Oh. Yeah. I, I know personally at least 20 people in Big Bear who, who've been hacked. And so what do you do? You reconcile. What does that mean? You're getting two different things to agree with each other. To agree with each other. When you reconcile, you're like, okay, we need, we need the bank to agree with me and me to agree with the bank. We're going to get this down and find out. So what did Jesus do? He came and reconciled us to himself. God came, God, God reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. He said, we need to be in agreement. And here, here it is. Because I'm God, I know, and all of my figures and facts are correct. So whatever your register says, don't worry about it. I'm going to tell you what, what, what the truth is. You're a sinner. You need salvation. I gave Jesus so that you can be saved. I'll wash away your sins. I'll forgive you of everything. 
I'll bring you into right relationship with me. And he reconciled us to him so that we could agree with him and say, you're right, I was lost, now I'm found. And then it says, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. When, when you think of reconciliation in a, in a family, uh, when I think of it, I think of peace. You know, you reconcile and now you have peace. Before that, you're at war. We were at war with God. We were reconciled. We're no longer at war with him. Hopefully you've stopped the battle against God. And if you haven't, just give up and give it to him. He's going to win. And he knows better. But the world is also at war with God. And they need to be reconciled. They need to find peace. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. When somebody becomes an ambassador and they go to a foreign country, they represent the country they're from. They represent the country they're from. They go to be uh, a, a witness for that country. They don't go to become part of the new country. They don't go to try to change the country that they're from. They don't go and they, they try and they go and as an ambassador of the nation. In fact, when an ambassador has been in a place too long and they begin to pick up the cultural things of the, the culture they're living, the, the United States will pull that ambassador home. They actually, they, they'll pull him back and, and they found when they don't that their issues happen. Why? Because they're, they're no longer like the country that sent them, they're more like the country they're living in. We're sent to be ambassadors of Christ. We're supposed to be like Christ not the world. We're supposed to be reconciling the world, helping them to be reconciled to God. And that says this, we implore you on Christ's behalf. This is our message. This is the God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. The world's message for us is this. Don't tell people about Jesus. Just be nice to them love them, and let them do whatever they want. Be silent. Isn't that, isn't that the message? And we go, that sounds right. That sounds so nice. We want to be nice. We want to be loving. And the world just says, yes, just, just love and be nice. The Bible says, no, we're supposed to implore them. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, that is in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. And people want peace. That's why they say don't, don't talk to anyone about anything, about sin, and try to change their ways. Just love and accept them. But Romans 5 says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Peace won't come for people until they actually accept Christ. We have the antidote for sin. We have the antidote for death. If I had an antidote for AIDS, if I had a cure for AIDS and I kept it to myself, it would be criminal. 
it would absolutely be criminal. We don't hear a lot about AIDS in this, in this country. It's still alive and well. All over the world, people in Africa are still dying in the millions because of AIDS. If I had the cure for AIDS and I didn't share it with somebody, it would be criminal. If, if you had the cure for cancer and didn't share it, wouldn't that be wrong? We have a cure that's far better. We have Jesus, eternal life. You could be cured of a disease and still die, but when you have Christ, even if you die, the Bible says you live. We have this awesome, amazing gift, this amazing understanding and knowledge that he who the sun sets free is free indeed, and we need to share that. And not only just do we need to, God created us for this purpose so that if we're not doing that, we're not even living in the fullness that God has for us. And, and if you've ever shared your faith with somebody, if you've ever had the opportunity to lead somebody to Jesus which sadly, statistics say that only 10% of Christians have ever led somebody to Jesus. 10% of Christians. So 90% of us have never led. But if you've ever had that opportunity to pray with somebody and to lead them to Jesus and to be a witness and to, to have made a difference, and we don't always get to, to pray the sinner's prayer and, and lead somebody, but to make a difference and know that you made a difference in their life, you know that there is nothing like that. It gives you so much joy and peace and, and fulfillment to know that you helped usher somebody from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his heavenly light. To help somebody who's struggling in, in mental and emotional difficulties to find healing in Jesus Christ. We have the greatest gift and he made us to share that with others. We have a vision at Christian Center to be a witness here in the valley and to reach the lost for Jesus, to reach the lost and to make disciples and help everyone grow one step closer to Jesus. That's the journey that we're on. And, and we look around and there's a lot of people who still need Jesus. There's a lot of people who need the life. He came, John 10.10, 10, to give his life and life abundant. We have this the Bible says treasure, this treasure, which is the gospel. Remember, by the way, remember the gospel, the word gospel simply means good news. When the Bible says to preach the gospel, it just simply means preach good news. Good news is of salvation. We don't preach how bad people are. We, don't, we, we preach how good God is and how amazing his gift and his love and his salvation is. And that's a treasure that we have. And it says it's in jars of clay. Ordinary, ordinary people. And that's what we were made for. You and me, ordinary people. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his family. Through Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.18 says that God made peace between us and himself. It's another translation. Then God gave us the work of bringing others into peace with him. In John 20, these are on your notes. It says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. So today's our commissioning. Today's the day we get commissioned to go into 
all the world and tell others, everyone we come in contact with, about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, if you're like me, my, your palms start sweating. If you start thinking about the reality, like, do I really have to share my faith? Well, one, let's change that and say, no, you get to. You get to share your faith. But a witness is just a witness of what God has done in their life. You don't have to learn the four spiritual laws, though those are really a helpful way to share your faith by Campus Crusade. You don't have to, you know, take a, an evangelism course, but you just have to be able to tell people what happened in you. Now the Bible says to be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. If you have hope this morning in Jesus Christ that you're not going to go to hell, that you're going to heaven, that he has come to give life and life abundantly and set us free, then you have this wonderful gift and all you have to do is be ready to give the reason for that hope. And I think all of us can do that. All of us can and should do that and look for the opportunities in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth earth in Big Bear and in San Bernardino cross-cultural ministries and everywhere he'll send us out to you were made for a mission and it's exciting so what does God want me to do what does God want us to do number one if you got notes this is the first one the very first thing that we can do is pray. And, 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 and I'll throw this in as an extra. You know, one of the things you can pray about is, is pray, pray for courage. That's okay to do. God, give me the courage, but that's not. Pray that people will say yes to God. That's the one I want you to put in the notes there. Pray that people will say yes to God. And we have to pray that people will, will, will say yes. That's part of the, the deal. Now, I'm, I'm also going to tell you that these aren't four choices and you get to choose one. These are four things that we should all do. We can all do these. Pray. Jesus said, Matthew 9, 37, There are so many people to harvest, but only a few workers to help harvest them. Pray to the Lord, who owns the harvest, that he will send out more workers to gather his harvest. Jesus saw it then. He knew there was so many people who needed to hear the gospel, the good news. He says, pray that people will say yes to go. Yes to go. So we pray for workers. The Bible says we pray for workers. But we also should be praying for the soil to be ready to receive the word of God. There's a parable in the Bible. It's the, the, the parable of the, the sower. It says that there was a, a farmer. He went out and he scattered and he, and he sowed some seeds. And some of the seed, it says, fell along the path. And some fell along the stony, rocky ground. Some fell among the thorns, and then some fell in good soil. Remember the, the parable? And it says that, that that on the path, it was just so shallow, and it just couldn't receive the seed. Receive the seed. And then, then the rocks, um, it, was, it was shallow, and it was rocky, and it, couldn't, it started growing up, but it, was just, it didn't work. It, on, the, on the path, it was actually the birds that came and stole it. On the rocks, it was just not quite enough good ground. There was others that grew among the thorns, and the thorns choked out the good seed, and then there was some seed scattered among the good soil. And remember the parable? Well, here's the interesting thing with that parable. The only thing that changes in that parable is the soil. The, the, the farmer is the same farmer, 
And Jesus said that the seed is the word of God. The only thing that changes is the, the hearers. So we should be praying that the hearers will be good soil. The hearers will be good soil. So we pray for, for workers to go, that people say yes to God and go into the harvest. And then we pray for the hearts of those who receive the word. God, I pray that they'd be in a place to receive your good word. God, that the, their eyes would be open to truth, that the enemy wouldn't come in and steal the seed because they need Jesus. Second thing we can do is we can give. We can give. Give to help others go. You, you might be in a place like right now, specifically right now, for, that you can't maybe go into all the world. We're going to talk about going locally in a minute, but, but maybe you're in a place that you can't go to the whole world because we're called to go everywhere. And it says this in Third John. We must support believers who go on trips like this so that we can work together with them in spreading the truth. And that's, wh that's why we give 10% as a church to missions of, of everything we bring in. And above and beyond that, money comes in to support mission. So we can give. You can give into missions work that, it, that is bringing the peace of God to the lost. We can give to help others go. Matthew 10.8 says, Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. The, the estimates are, are about half of the world, seven billion people almost, live on two dollars a day or less. <laughs> we can just say, freely we've received, freely give. So, so we can give, and, and you know, research the group you're giving into. There are some groups that just, they don't do well with their finances. It's always good to research, find out what they're doing. But we can give to help others go. When you, f when you know a missionary personally that's in there doing the work, give. We've received freely. The third thing that we can do is step out. Just step out. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will give for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. It's a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. Probably the most dangerous prayer you can pray when you say, God, use me. God, use me. I prayed, I've prayed that prayer many times. And I prayed that prayer as a, as a young person. And God took me at my word. And then I had to choose to whether I'd obey him or not. Speaking in front of people has always terrified me. Talking to strangers was never easy. So God started me out going into places. Like, and I was also raised in Big Bear. So, so in my late teen years, I was going into Hollywood, California, going to gay pride parades, going into, uh, at 18, I went to, 16, 17, 18, I went to New York City, went to places like, um, of course, the, the, the big places, Times Square, was ministering on Wall Street. I was ministering in uh, some of the parks that had riots in them regularly, Union, Union Square, Tompkins Square Park. You can go back, actually, and Google Tompkins Square Park. We were in the middle of the riots there. I was in the middle of the riots in Hollywood. 
ministering in Flatbush in New York, which is, I mean, there's just drug needles everywhere. I said yes. And this little boy was not ready for the things he was going to see. Not, not ready at all. I mean, I was hit on by, by men at the gay pride parade. Wanted to take me home as their, as their young man. Wow. God used me. But in all those places, he gave me what I needed. He gave me what I needed at the time. And he blessed the work and he gave me the courage to do the things. Sometimes he blinded my eyes. I told the story a few months ago when there was an ex-KGB officer in Ukraine who came down to kill me. Praise God, it didn't happen. You know, he blinds you at times and, 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 you, and I, will you, I just said yes. Will you say yes? Now God, sometimes he'll take you up on that and he might send you some crazy places. He might actually make you go next door to your house. Talk to the neighbor. <laughs> Sometimes that's harder than it is going. For me, I would much rather go to like Hollywood or something and witness down there than I would to my neighbors. It's, it's you know, so, so sometimes it's harder. Step out. Here am I. Send me. Psalm 67.2 says this. I love this. It says, Send us around the world with the news of your saving power and your eternal plan for all mankind. That should be our church prayer. God, send us around the world. Just send us. If you like to read, there's an old book called Bruchko. It's a great book about a young man who just knew he was called to go to the mission field. And nobody would, would, would uh, no, no mission agency would take him. And so he went anyways. And he went into the middle of the South American jungle. And it's a, if you like to read it, it's a great true story. I've got a copy. I will take your firstborn in exchange for it because it's a, I don't want to lose the book. But if you want to read it, I'll, I'll let you read it. Send us around the world with your saving power and your eternal plan for all my kin. Who in here, just by the show of hands, who wants the return of Jesus to come? Anyone know? Okay. Guess what? He said he's not coming back until everyone has heard that the gospel is preached to every tongue, tribe, nation, and people. Now, the Bible has been preached in every nation. Every nation has the Bible has been preached in. But the Bible has not been preached to every tribe yet. There's actually only about 400 tribes left of people. And there is a group, and they're working on it, and they call it the peace plan, to preach the gospel to every tribe. Jesus can't come back yet because the gospel hasn't been preached. So here's a little motivation. If you want Jesus to come back, start preaching the gospel. God. Maybe you won't be the one who goes to a, the Indone- you know, Indonesia or one of the islands that the gospel has been pre- preached to the tribe, but maybe you'll lead somebody to Jesus who will go. Remember the story of the usher who ushered in Frank, uh, Billy Graham? We read that in the book. We heard that in, in, our, in our studies. Two young boys come to a camp meeting. No seating, and they start to leave, and an usher stops and says, I'll find you room, and he found room on the front row. And there those two young boys heard a gospel presentation. One of them got saved. It was Billy Graham. 
What was the name of the usher? <laughs> no idea. But thank God for the usher. Because of him, Billy Graham found Jesus Christ. Who knows the influence you'll have in somebody's life and what they might do for Jesus? Step out. You have better than the cure for AIDS, better than a cure for cancer. You have the hope of eternal life living within you, and you're a witness. The fourth thing you can do, go where you can now. Go where you can now. We, don't, we, we think, well, I'm not ready, I'm not prepared, I don't know enough. One of the things we can do is go where you can now. Jesus said, this was a story of the man who, who come, who Jesus heals and he's so excited. He says, let me follow you. I just want to follow you and, and wherever you go. And Jesus tells him this. Go back home and tell people how much God has done for you. So the man went all over town, Jerusalem, Big Bear, telling how much Jesus had done for him. Most of us in this room don't know the difference between hermeneutics and homiletics. If I were to ask you about the doctrines of soteriology and hamartiology and all the doctrines that, that, that I talk to you on a weekly basis about but never tell you the term, you say, I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor. If I says, hey, can you give a, a great um, under, understanding of the differences between um, Arminianism and Calvinism? You go, wasn't Calvin the guy, Calvin and Hobbes? I don't know. You don't know that. But if I said, why do, you, why do you have hope in Jesus? I bet you could answer. See, that's all you need to do. Be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. Be like the man who went all over town just telling people, Jesus did this for me. Well, what about all the starving people in Africa? I don't know about the starving people in Africa. I only know what Jesus did for me. And I want to tell you about that. Well, yeah, I would become a Christian, except there's a lot of phony Christians out there. You know, yeah, there probably are a lot of phony Christians out there. There's a lot of phony money out there, and I'm still spending the real stuff. I don't know about that. But I know what Jesus did for me. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that, that the Spirit has come to fill us with power. And I, and I believe in the, the gifts of all the gifts in the Bible are still for today, including the gift of speaking in tongues. And I used to have conversations with people who didn't believe that speaking in tongues was for today. And with my, with my friends who we would maybe have a debate, we'd look at the scriptures, say why it shouldn't, why it shouldn't. I'd always end with this. Well, let me just tell you this. I speak in tongues. They say so. Well, I'm either a liar, I'm crazy, or it's true. Because it's my experience. You know, we can debate what, what things say on paper. Well, yeah, this and this and this. But when you say, but this is what Jesus did for me. Well, what am I going to say? Liar. Go where you can now. Where can you go? go next door you can be a witness at the grocery store where you work you can volunteer at a kids program and love on the kids and be a witness you can 
come and help give out food on a Wednesday and the people that come, you can share your faith and you can pray with them and, and say, you know, God's, God's got hope for you. Let me tell you what he did for me. You can go to the places that, that God can use you to minister to people who are going through similar things to you. That are going through similar things that you used to go through. What has God healed you from? What has God delivered you from? You can be a witness to other people who are going through the same things. Go where you can now. Now some of you are in a place that you can go to the mission field. The faraway mission field. You know, when we lived in Guatemala, we were amazed at how many retired people were hitting the mission field. I, they, they were just, there were just tons of them. And I was so blessed and so shocked and so surprised. And I said, what do you, so why are you here? He says, you know what? We raised our kids. You, you know, we got grandkids now and they're busy raising their kids and don't get to see them a whole lot anyways. We have a, a little bit of say, you know, we have a little bit of retirement income. He says, actually, our retirement income goes a lot further in Guatemala than it does in the United States. And they picked up and they moved to Honduras or Guatemala or El Salvador in their last years of life. And some of them said, we'll just be here for, you know, maybe a year or so. And some were like, eh, just going to bury me here. It's probably cheaper. So you're going to preach until I die. And they weren't ex-pastors, just, just to clarify that. It's not like they, well, we were pastors for 40 years, and now we feel the call to go to the mission field. There was a guy who was a postal worker. There was, you know, some, some guys who had maybe like engineer types, and they just, just normal people just willing to go. Maybe that's you. That's you. Step out where you can go now. Be used of God because he made you for a mission. He made you for a mission. He made us to share our faith because we have this treasure in jars of clay. The memory verse on your bookmark is really easy this week. 2 Timothy 4, 5. I'm going to close with this scripture and we're going to close in prayer. It says this, Work at bringing others to Christ. 2 Timothy 4, 5. Work at bringing others to Christ. It's a simple command. How will you do it? How will you pray, give, step out, and go now? Heavenly Father, I thank you that we are all amazingly, wonderfully created in your image. God, I thank you that we are all your poems, your masterpieces. Father, we have learned over this series that there's a purpose that you had in mind when you made us. God, that, uh, that you're our creator and we were in your care even before we were born. God, that you formed us and you made us to have relationship with you, to be loved by you and to love you back. You created us and formed us to be in relationship and fellowship and part of the family of God. 
You created us to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. You shaped us in our mother's womb, and part of the shaping was to serve the family of God. And then you gave us a mission to bring the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Father, I pray that today you would challenge, encourage, spur us on to begin to look and look at the mission, to, to be open to walk into the mission that you have for us. God, that you would give us courage to step out. God, that you would give us courage to walk across the room to somebody who needs you. Father, and be that life be a light for those who need you. God, there's a lost and dying world out there. We know, God, that of the 7 billion people on this earth, only about 2.5 billion of them are, are Christian. And that's a huge amount. But that leaves 4.5 billion that are not. God, send us. Use us. And we thank you as we go. You will give us everything we need to accomplish it. So fill us with your Holy Spirit now so that we can go into all the world and preach the good news and tell everyone the good news about Jesus. We thank you that you will walk with us, you'll be in us, and you'll see us through in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.